DNR College Football Report. That is uh, Reeves Mitchell. I'm Dave Mark, 1077 The Franchise. Reeves, we uh, were at practice yesterday. Got to talk to a few dudes. We uh, did a practice video recap, kind of what we thought. You know, I was talking to Reggie Grimes, the competitive depth. You know, it's cliche that you hear it at every single camp, uh, every single season. But this year, it kind of seems like it. It might be for real when, when OU players talk about it. And I got that sense talking to Reggie last night. Yeah, Dave. It was really interesting just, you know, hearing everyone really stress this competitive depth term over the entire offseason. But, I mean, something I've noticed is it's not just from one or two position groups. It's pretty much every position group saying, yeah, um, my position group can go three, four, five guys deep. Uh, Deshaun McCullough has been saying it a ton, just how many different bodies they have at linebacker that they can throw in there and that he's confident that can make a play. Uh, obviously the D line seems or appears to be deeper than it's been in years. Uh, five or six guys over 300 pounds. And I mean, three or four guys that played a lot last year. And then you're adding in some new guys that should be really good. Terry from uh, Tennessee is a guy that sticks out to me. He had 60-plus tackles in the SEC. I mean, he should be able to do at least that in the Big 12. So, yeah, it's just stuck out to me that, you know, every position group has been saying this, Dave. It's not just, you know, the linebackers or the D-linemen. It's the quarterbacks, too. It's the running backs. It's literally everyone saying this. It seems to be the sense from around camp, you know, talking to uh, the guys last night, Marcus Major, you know, was one of the guys that we were able to, to, to speak with. And, I still find him fascinating this year for Oklahoma Reeves. He uh, is a three back. You know, you, you kind of think that's where he'll be his third on the depth chart uh, behind Barnes and Sawchuck. But man, it's a guy that's got a lot of power, a lot of speed, a lot of vision, kind of the complete package. And if he can put it together and stay on the field, man, I just have a feeling uh, he might surprise some people. Yeah, uh, I finished my uh, article on running backs about last week that went on the franchise website but when i was talking about who's gonna you know fill out the depth chart for running backs obviously i'd saw chuck and barnes one and two and you know major filling in in that three role but i did say that i think this ou running back scheme this year is going to be more running back by committee type so whoever has the hot hand say in a game it may be marcus major maybe he has 10 carries for you know close to 100 yards and Jeff Levy just says, let's leave him and let's make him the workhorse this game. Maybe it was Javante Barnes this game. Maybe it's Gavin Sawchuck this game. I mean, Dave, I think it could flip from game to game because all three of these guys have breakout potential. We've seen it from each and every one of them. Yeah, we have, Reeves. And going back to Jeff Levy, I mean, people forget, man, his offenses at Baylor when they would spread the D across 53 and a half uh, feet, you know, and run the ball, they were predicated on run first. It was a run first offense a rushing attack. And I think with this offensive line being better than people thought, uh, I think that's kind of the sense in camp right now is, is they're a lot better. They're a lot further along than, than where people thought they would be right now. And you have that stable of backs to lean on. We might see this offense, especially early on without there being the top wide receiver known. I think we might see this offense really lean on that run game. Yeah, and we talked about it in our post-practice recap, but the big key for Marcus Major this year is just staying on the field healthy. You know, he's had a few off-the-field issues that have held him back a little bit. He's also had some on-the-field injuries that have held him back. 
So, I mean, when we asked him what his goal is for the season yesterday, he flat out just said, I want to play all 12 games. I want to mm-hmm. be out there for my guys every game. So it, this is a big season coming up for him. He just wants to prove, you know, to the world that he can stay healthy at least. And from what I got from him, Dave, it sounds like if if he is able to stay healthy, he feels like the work will, you know, settle itself out. He feels like he's a good enough player to where if he can just be on the field, you know, he's going to play well. Yeah, and I think he, he will. Like like we've touched on, he has all the tools you look at for a complete running back. But, Reeves, let's, uh, let's kind of change basis here. We're finally here, man. Week zero, college football kicks off this weekend. I know you're excited. Uh the line, the lineup for the games this weekend, it's not spectacular. You know, I can't lie, but hey, if it was Alcorn State and Albany A&M and it's college football, I would watch it because it's college football. So let's let's talk about those games, maybe make some picks, uh, something we're going to do on the show each week this year and keep track of. So when I whip y'all, you know, we have proof of it. So let, let's kind of go through the games one at a time and, and give our picks on them. Yeah, that first game, first game of the college football season, actually, Navy, Notre Dame, and they're actually playing it from Dublin, Ireland. So that'll be kind of a cool game. That's right. Uh, the spreads at about 20 and a half. So, I mean, Notre Dame's probably going to win. I know that's probably going to be your pick, but still a game that I'll probably tune into. You know, the pageantry of college football, you love seeing it overseas like that. That's cool. And with a brand like Notre Dame, it'll be, a, it'll be at least a watchable game, I guess. It will, Reeves, and I'll tell you what, man. Don't discredit the service academies. They have a knack for playing the Irish tough. I don't know what it is about that. But Navy especially, the Air Force Academy, they always seem to just be, I mean, a complete dogfight for Notre Dame. That being said, I I like the Irish. I like what they've got going on with second-year coach Freeman. Uh, Yeah, Notre Dame's my pick in that one. It's interesting, Dave. I mean, just getting into that point a little bit, the service academies have snuck up on teams. They haven't necessarily won these big games recently, but they've had a lot of games where they've played big, big opponents close. I remember Army played Michigan very close, I think, two years ago. Obviously, Army should have beat OU Mm -hmm. when Lincoln was here. I mean, there's a lot of examples to go by, but you're right. I mean, with the way they play with that option attack and how they can just ball control the whole game, Mm -hmm. you can get into some sticky situations with service academies. You can, man. You get a team that just sits on the ball for eight minutes of possession and they get seven points out of it, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on your offense to answer. Because if you don't, you don't know when you're going to get the ball back. And we saw OU go through that against Army. (laughs) If you're an OU fan, that was about the most annoying thing on planet Earth to watch Oklahoma repeatedly uh, run out in a three-man front and just get you know two and three yards to death on every carry, and that's what those service academies do, and they're very good at it. You definitely can't take them for granted, Dave. I mean, they are hard workers, obviously, and they're big boys too. So I mean, they know how to play their style of football, and if you let them play their game, you know it it can be tough for you. But moving on on our schedule. Uh, yeah, like you said, Dave, the games are not <laughs> they're not popping off the page to my eye, but next one is Hawaii and Vanderbilt. I, I know Vanderbilt is building a new stadium mm-hmm. and I saw a picture of it a week ago and neither of the end zones are even like filled in. Hmm. They're just empty. So they may be playing at a high school stadium this year, or maybe even uh they're in Nashville, so I guess they could play at the Titans field potentially. They could. I, you didn't make a pick, you know. Uh, this this S- 
It's an SEC team, Reeves. I know it's Vandy, but it's still the, the mighty SEC playing lowly Hawaii. you got to give us a pick. I'm taking Vandy, and this is a bit of a homer pick, Dave, because my sister actually went to Vandy. So okay, Commodore. Okay. <laughs> and I've followed Vandy football and basketball for the better part of probably 10 years now. You know, they've had some bowl seasons where – you know, that's that's their ceiling as a bowl. But they were a lot better last year. So uh, they have a new coach named Clark Lee. I believe he was there last year. I think he has them going in about as good a direction as Vandy can be going in. So I'll take the Commodores on that one. Where is this game being played at? On ESPN, it says First Bank Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if that's the Titans Stadium. I don't think it is. Okay, so it's it's basically a home game for Vandy then. It's a home game, but I'm telling you, I mean, Vandy does not get supported very well at home, and that new field, I, I, I'm telling you, I saw a picture of the stadium, and it is not close to done. Reeves, I know that uh, the Rainbow Warriors, you know, Hawaii, they've put up some players in the last decade, guys that can really spread the ball around and score a bunch of points, and they've been a dangerous opponent. That being said, I'm going to take Vanderbilt. I'm right there with you, I think. Just the grind, the iron, sharp and iron thing of the the opponents they routinely play, I think will be enough of an edge for them when they see Hawaii on both lines of scrimmages to get it done. And I'll take the Commodores to win as well. Last game that jumps out to me, um, I think we know who's going to win this one. San Jose State traveling to the L.A. Coliseum mm-hmm. to take on the Mighty Trojans. Mm-hmm. I think SC's going to come away with that one. But, Dave, I wanted to ask you, how much how much USC do you think you're going to take in this year? And do you think Caleb's going to repeat as the Heisman winner? Reeves, I think he has every opportunity to repeat. I think he's that good. I think he is a generational quarterback. That being said, it's very hard to win that award twice, uh, especially back-to-back. So it – I think he's going to have a lot of competition, a lot more scrutiny. I think he's going to have to be close to perfect. Uh, And so is USC, as we've seen Lincoln Riley's teams in the past. They get tripped up by people they are supposed to beat. Uh, And typically that that happens at home, and it's it's not a a good mark on a resume. But, hey, he's had a lot of quarterbacks win that Heisman. To answer your question, no, I don't think he repeats. I think there's going to be too much competition. It's too hard to win it twice. Uh, USC is going to be, I'm going to take in a lot because I think it's going to be forced a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of coverage of the Trojans. Uh, he seems to have it going out there. You know, he's got the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, uh, coming off a loss to Tulane, you know, in the Cotton Bowl that everybody hated to see. But, uh, you know, he, he is what he is. Look, he's a tremendous offensive mind, maybe one of the best, uh, in our lifetimes of, of any level of football, but, why he won't fix a defense, why he refuses to, to get anybody on that side of the ball to to field an elite defense. I don't know if it's arrogance or, or stubbornness that he's just going to outscore everybody, but that to me in my mind will always hinder what they could do. But I think they still have a very good year and, and probably are going to be right there in the end, uh, close to a playoff appearance, if not in. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they're going to have a really good season too, but yeah, my point was going to be, I mean, as long as Alex Grinch is your defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. I just don't know if you can go to the next level like winning a national championship. And I think Caleb is the quarterback that can take you there, no doubt. I mean, he, he would have been the number one pick last year over Bryce Young, I think. He will be this year, barring some crazy events. He's going to be the number one pick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
you have the quarterback to take you there. You have the offensive weapons. Riley's always going to recruit on offense. But I agree, Dave, and I, I know we're both, you know, we both have some Sooner blood, so we're obviously not the biggest Alex Grinch fans. But at the same time, just looking at it from a football perspective, right? he has not done a ton since his Washington State days to really tell you that his defense is one that you have to take seriously. Reeves, the hire, when, when Riley went out and got him at Oklahoma, I was scratching my head. I thought, you know, he had to part with Mike Stoops, and I know that wasn't easy being Bob's brother. Bob was the one that handed Riley the torch, so he gave Mike, you know, every bit of rope he could to turn it around. Didn't happen, but I thought at that point, that was the time to go out and get an elite guy like a Glenn Schumann from Georgia or Dan Lanning at that point. They were both co-DCs for the Bulldogs. To, to incorporate that with that offense, I mean, he could field one of the best teams ever in college football history if he would do it, but he's he's not going to, and Alex Grinch is back, and I'm with you. I think that hinders their chance to, to win it all this year. Dave, if I remember correctly, there's one more name in that D.C. search, one name that's popping in my head. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, D.C., Pete Golding. Golding, he yeah, DC? he was popular, popular guy back then. I remember reading it, maybe Center Scoop report or something like that, that he had flown down to Norman and, you know, visited with the team and he was a potential candidate, but obviously that never panned out. But yeah, that feels like a long time ago at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say that a lot has transpired from now and then. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't go out and get a a hardened defensive coordinator that's that's played in the best league in football, you know, out of the SEC. Again, I think... Just my personal opinion, I think some of that's arrogance and stubbornness. He doesn't need it. His offense is good enough, even though we've repeatedly seen it not be good enough, even with some of the best weapons in the history of the game back there. But, you know, enough on Lincoln Riley. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, I'll take USC. That's an easy pick. But going to be fascinating to watch the Trojans this year. Kind of, this can't be real, but on the ESPN site, it, it – for the week zero, it has tickets for each game, like the as low as you can go to get the lowest ticket. And for USC game, it's $19. And for UMass at New Mexico State, it's $21. Oh, the mecca of college football. You can get in for under a 20 spot. You heard it right here yeah. on the franchise. Just head, down, head on down to the L.A. Coliseum. They'll let you in for free, probably. Yeah, you and the dozens of people watching will really enjoy some football. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to quit taking shots at the guy. He's gone. Hey, he did what he felt was best. And I think Oklahoma Reeves, in the long run, will be better because they've got a guy that does care about defense. And anybody that knows football knows defense is eventually what will win you a championship. You hit the nail on the head there. I couldn't agree more. Last thing I wanted to dive in here real quick. Uh, this NIL evaluations released by On3 today. Interesting. Top 10 in all of college football. Dave, did anyone stick out to you on that list? Yeah, a couple names. Uh, one is a very familiar name in the football fandom. That's uh, Arch Manning is number one in the country for NIL evaluation. That's a little surprising. Not only is he not the starter, but I hear he's actually third string behind Malik Murphy down there in Austin. So uh, name alone, you know, gets him in there. I understand it. It's quite a popular name in football, so I get it. Quinn Ewers, you know, comes in at number 10, uh, the Texas starter. So, yeah, not, not surprised to see some Longhorns on it. Maybe a little surprised with the number one, though. That's just got to be a weird dynamic for your locker room. And obviously, Quinn Ewers isn't butthurt about getting $1.2 million. No. I know he's not, you know, looking at Arch Manning. He's like, oh, I should be making so much more. 
But on the same note, Dave, your third string quarterback on your college football team making almost three million dollars, and I know it's the name, everyone knows he's a Manning, obviously. But still, Dave, that's gotta add a little bit of a weird dynamic in their locker room. One would think, Reeves, uh, you know, all this is so new to every player and every coach. I don't know how everybody's going to handle it. I sure don't know how Sark is going to handle it. I think that some of the question marks that everybody kind of has with Texas, you know, that they seem to have a lot of talent, no doubt about it. There's a reason they're picked preseason Big 12 champs by the media. But there's so much behind the scenes that people don't see. You have to have chemistry and, and cohesiveness and you know, you have to be a tight-knit group and go to war. You know, there's just so much more that goes into it than than stars and, and player rankings. So that that could play into it. That's a very interesting dynamic as far as money goes, something that's now new to the game to keep track of and, and how people handle it. Another one that popped out to me is Bo Nix at three at $1.7 million. Dave, I often forget about the Phil Knight money at uh-huh. Oregon, but – it's a, I mean, it's ridiculous, the Heisman campaigns they've been doing for him this offseason. I don't know if you saw in Times Square in New York mm-hmm. that they put up a multi-screen uh, picture of Bo Nix throwing the ball, and, you know, obviously it's a Heisman campaign. But just pretty cr- – I mean, he's a guy that not a lot of people wanted when he was transferring from Auburn. But, you know, Oregon lands him, and he had a good year last year. He did. I know he's on the Heisman watch list this year, which is fair. He's a good player. But coming in at three at $1.7 million, that, that did surprise me a little bit. It surprised me too, but I think you, you nailed it, is where he plays and who is associated yeah. with, you know, it's Phil Knight and Nike, man. That's You're always going to have big dollar figures next to that, but I'm with you. I, it's kind of a surprise pick for, for a Heisman push, Heisman candidate. He did have a decent year last year, but yeah, at Auburn, I mean, I remember people calling for him to be benched, and some Auburn yeah. fans applauded when he transferred, so... Yeah. Uh, interesting transformation, and yeah, coming in at three is, is a bit of a surprise. But Reeves, I just wanted to uh, to get our picks done and documented. Uh, I think you said USC is going to win. I think I heard you say that, right? <laughs> um, maybe I'll take San Jose State in the points. But <laughs> what is uh, what 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 are, what are the points? Oh gosh, does it say on ESPN? Let's see. I have to assume forty plus. It doesn't say on here, but I, I feel like I saw it the other day, and it was around 33, something like that. 33, okay. I know. I think OU's 33 for week one versus yeah. Arkansas State. Yeah, unless it's moved. That's what it was when I saw it two days ago. Uh, okay, well, we've got our picks in then. They're documented, so we will do that every single week this season. Going to be a lot more intriguing next week with a little bit better matchups, but excited we get underway this week regardless. But, Reeves, that's going to do it for this segment. That's Reeves Mitchell. I'm Dave Myrick, DNR College Football Report, right here on 107.7 The Franchise. This is Dave Myrick with 107.7 The Franchise and the DNR College Football Report. We are uh, kind of making a journey around the Big 12 before the season starts. One of uh, my compatriots that works for Blue and Gold Nation covers West Virginia Athletics, Mr. Ryan Decker, joins us on the phone. Ryan, how you doing, bud? I know you just mowed, but beyond that, are, are you surviving all right? Yeah, yeah, surviving all right here in uh, Golden Blue Nation country. Yeah, we're doing all right so far. Outstanding, Ryan. Just kind of wanted to uh, to get your thoughts on West Virginia up until now, you know, what they've looked like. What, what do you expect under Neil Brown going into this year? 
you know, it's going to be an interesting season for the Mountaineers, I think. Obviously, picked to finish last in the Big 12 preseason poll. Uh, the bottom three in that preseason poll of West Virginia, Houston, and Cincinnati kind of sounds like it could be any scenario of those three teams finishing, I guess, 12th through 14th this year. But the, the two buzzwords, I think, that have come out of camp this year for West Virginia, one is physicality. The other is depth. Uh, from a physicality standpoint, Neil Brown has really spoken all preseason about how last year they erred on the side of caution in the preseason of not being as physical. That they wanted to make sure they saved their bodies as much as they could. And he thought they, that that affected them negatively, especially at the start of the regular season when they when they dropped to 0-2 and, and, and got out of the gates really slow last season. So they, they were much more physical in practice this preseason. The other thing, or the other buzzword, has been depth. Across the board, this coaching staff feels they have better depth at almost every position this year than they've had in, in, in recent seasons. So uh, there's been a quarterback competition that has been decided. Neil Brown has not fully announced that week one starter yet, so it's a pretty good idea of who that's going to be. But the running back room seems to be in really as good of a position as it's been in a long time. Wide receiver, there's a big transfer, and Devin Carter comes over from South Carolina. But really, after that, it, it, it's depth. It's truly just who is going to be the guy catching the ball. Uh, look at offensive line. It's a very veteran-laden group. A lot of guys, including Zach Frazier, who's a preseason All-American by just about every outlet, uh, he, he's leading that group. And then especially on the back end of the defense, you look at cornerback and safety, the, those coaches have been rotating players out of availability and just really trying to see how can we get the best four or five guys in the back end on the field versus last year and years past where they were trying to figure out who they have to get in the back end of that defense. So that, that's kind of the synopsis of where West Virginia is right now heading into this season. But, you know, it, it's a tough schedule right out of the gate. You've got number seven, Penn State, in Happy Valley. It's going to be 100,000 strong there. Uh, they're in State College. So no easy task right out of the gate. No, it's not, Ryan. You brought up quarterback. That's always a polarizing spot. You think you have a good idea. Who is it, and what can we expect this year out of that guy? Yeah, so it's likely going to be Garrett Green. Uh, he's been in the program for a couple of years now. He played in, I believe it was eight games last season. He ended up starting the last couple, missed the, uh, the second half of the Oklahoma State game, the, the regular season finale due to injury. But Garrett Green, he's been the most consistent guy in practice. He's a dual-threat quarterback, so he gives West Virginia the option to extend plays with his feet and can, and can do things out of the pocket. The guy he's been battling against it was a highly touted recruit for West Virginia, a four-star guy out of Arizona, Nico Barfield. Uh, and just simply, it's decision-making and accuracy with the football that has kind of decided this battle, at least according to Neil Brown and the coaches. Garrett Green has been more accurate. He made better decisions. So he's going to be the guy to start week one for, for all intents and purposes. It's not official yet, but it's you know, pretty safe bet to make that assumption. But when it comes to quarterback, you know, the, the one stat I've been kind of harping on here over the last week or so is West Virginia last season, in eight of the 12 games they played, they played at least two quarterbacks, if not three, right. uh, for one reason or another. Sometimes that was injury. Sometimes that's Garrett Green being a, a, a dual threat option or a guy you maybe bring on a, in, a, I'm sorry, in on a third down to give defenses a different look. But eight out of the 12 games last year, that they played at least two quarterbacks. I think we see that again this year. It's not a true uh, two-quarterback system that Neil Brown's doing. He likes dual-threat guys. He's had success with dual-threat guys in the past. He finally gets a really good one here uh, in this year at West Virginia. But I, I just think he's going to try to keep teams on their toes, and we're going to see a, a consistent rotation, I think. Ryan, to that point about what Neil Brown likes, I'm not real familiar with 
his kind of aura, I guess. What is his philosophy as it goes to, to offense? Is he an offensive guy, defensive guy? Does he like to run? Does he like to spread? I mean, kind of, kind of what's his, his jam, so to speak? Yeah, so he's more offensive-minded. He's going back to calling the plays this season uh, for, for, I think it's the third season in a row now. There will be a change at offensive coordinator. It's Chad Scott, the, the running backs coach and running backs coordinator, who is the OC. But Neil Brown is going back to calling plays. It's something he didn't do last year for at least the first half of the season. Um, and, and you can kind of tell that the things just weren't working right. Uh, he, it, I, I don't think he likes to have his finger off that pulse of calling plays. And he's kind of said as much this year in the preseason. So he wants to go back to calling plays. He feels like he's had success at calling plays. And he even said at one point this preseason, he got the job at West Virginia because of the success he had at Troy previously and some other stops where he was the guy calling the plays. So you know, he's going to be the one doing that this year. He'll have input from Chad Scott, Sean Reagan, the quarterback's coach. But uh, he'll be the one dialing things up on offense. He's going to lean on his running backs this year because he has a talented running back room. C.J. Donaldson, uh, fans might remember, kind of popped off in that pit game in the backyard brawl there to start the season last year dealt with some injuries at times, but he led West Virginia in rushing touchdowns despite only playing really just over half of the season last year because of some injuries and he was banged up throughout. He's in much better shape this year, so West Virginia is going to lean on its running game, But and then going back to the fact they do have a dual-threat quarterback in Garrett Green, it gives West Virginia options, it gives Neil Brown options to uh, hopefully get some things on the outside. He feels good about where his wide receiver group is as well. It's just, again, the depth of that group. Who is here at green or whoever it's back there under center or in the shotgun who are they going to be throwing to that that's going to be the big question i think this year yeah they really remind me of oklahoma in that regard they have a lot of talent but it's unproven everybody thinks they're going to be really good and have a lot of depth you just haven't haven't seen it yet so yeah i'm with you there but uh ryan i just kind of wanted to get caught up man we're almost here one well actually this is week zero kicks off tomorrow uh, not the most intriguing matchups but hey it's college football we'll watch it but really looking forward to that game in happy valley next week yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, I saw the stat uh, a couple of days ago where James Franklin is taking over Penn State. He's never had a home opener with less than 101-some-odd thousand fans in attendance. Uh, I, I've never been in a stadium that big. I, I think very few players on this West Virginia roster have been in a stadium that big. So it, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, honestly, I, I know one of the conversations we've been having in our office is that last year when West Virginia went to Virginia Tech, of course, they've got enter Sandman that they always run into. We kind of missed that because there was some confusion on where when the teams were going to run out of, of their various tunnels. <laughs> and, and we didn't get to experience enter Sandman. We felt cheated. Oh, man. We didn't get to experience that as college football fans because we're, we're trying to watch West Virginia, what they're doing. We're trying to see when the, the, you know, the captain and stuff are running out of the tunnel. And so we got cheated on that aspect. I don't think there's any way to get cheated with 101 plus thousand people in attendance. So you know, if, if the game goes sideways, which it might, I know I know you're a heavy underdog there, but um, if the game goes sideways, I, I think the atmosphere is going to be fantastic no matter what. Oh and man, that is to a degree what I'm looking forward to. But of course, it's starting the college football season. Oh yeah, dude, I'm I'm jealous you're going to be there. I'll be in Norman for uh, for OU's home opener. I will send you some pictures, and I expect to get videos and pictures from Happy Valley too. Yep. We'll do. I'll make that happen. That's been Ryan Decker, writes for uh, Blue and Gold, covers West Virginia in all aspects, does a tremendous job. This is Dave Myrick for 107.7 The Franchise, DNR College Football Report. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thank you.